Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back, folks, to our pre-training camp edition of one of these years. Uh, things have changed a little bit since the last time we recorded. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, as always, and welcoming in our new Lions beat writer, Colton Pouncey. Uh, Colton, uh, how's the transition gone for you so far? Yeah, it's good. Uh, all settled into my new place in Detroit, uh, now neighbors with Pistons writer James Edwards. Yeah, so, you, uh, leave him alone, man. I know. <laughs> He's actually been the one inviting me all over the city. I'm like, man, I did break. Like, you're on vacation. You should chill and relax right now. James is currently in a Twitter war with all of Sacramento. All of it. Whole really? town of Sacramento. And yeah. most of the West Coast. But I do see Colton's got the new place. I see your uh, your background's different. You got a nice you know, a nice uh, kitchen set up there, nice clock. Yeah, it's a little more adult than my yeah, like, blank wall before in East Lansing. So I like it. You've got you've got a nice uh, adult place, and now you're an NFL writer. Yeah, very exciting. Like this is, this is pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool. So so Colton, um, I guess before we we really start to most of the people I think that listen to the show know Colton, um, but I guess before we dive too much into any of this, uh, give us the rundown of uh, we know you of course but like give the people a rundown of your uh, background uh, where you're from likes dislikes all that sort of thing yeah for sure um so grew up like suburbs of chicago um went to the university of missouri uh graduated 2017 um that summer i did an internship in nashville at the tennessean um some michigan state fans probably know that joe retro left the free yeah. press to go there um, so I got to know him a little bit down there. So I was there for about like nine or 10 months. Uh, I did my internship and then they hired me full time to kind of be a general assignment, you know, sports supporter in Nashville. Well, so my beat, um, just to get some beat experience back then, it was a small FCS school called Austin P State University. I know him. Clarksville, Tennessee. I know him well. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because when I first got there, they had lost 45 of their last 46 games, That's including right. 27 in a row. And then they lost the first two games of that 2017 season, so it got to 29, which is the longest in college football at the time. Um, and then they end up winning their third game, and they went on to finish that season eight and four. So any Lions fans that are out there, maybe Look I – Right there. Good luck. I don't know. Just putting that out there. Um, yeah, so then kind of in – it was either April or May. Uh, I think it was or March or April, I should say, of 2018. That's when Craig Custins at the Athletic Detroit reached out to me. So they were looking for a Michigan State writer, um, and I guess my name was passed to him. So we were talking. I talked, I talked to him. I talked to Katie. Um, had some really good conversations, and then I was like, "The Athletic is the place to be, like for everything I want to do, which is you know features, profiles, you know a lot of you know uh, analysis, film stuff is cool. Like we have so much opportunities here that you don't really have at a traditional newspaper, and I felt like that was a really good fit." It was still kind of early in the athletic back then, so I was hired in like June, officially June 2018. 
um, to cover Michigan State, and it's kind of evolved so much over the years. It's kind of funny how much it's oh, yeah. changed, but I still think it's a you know an awesome place to work. And did Michigan State for four years. Uh, was really proud of the work I did on the Michigan State beat. Um, had some fun. There's some ups and downs on the in terms of the team success and everything, but you know that, that comes with the job. And um, yeah, that's not going to go away with no. the new job. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So then a couple of months ago, they were kind of you know, trying to figure out their NFL staff or reaching out to me about some jobs within the company. Um, and then we, you know, kind of heard you guys might be transitioning to, you know, your other roles and that the Lions B might open up. So that was obviously one that was kind of in the back of my mind throughout that process. So, I mean, I'm happy it's all worked out. Happy I'm uh, in a seat like Detroit. Like, like I said, James has shown me around. It's been a good, good spot so far and yeah, I'm excited to get going. I guess, Nick, we should also, since we keep getting questions, yeah. clarify what's happening with us. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I, keep, I don't want to speak on your behalf, so I'm glad like, we can use this opportunity. I don't know if you want to go first. Uh, uh, yes, I can go first. So um, basically, my job, as far as this show and the Lions coverage goes, won't change. Um, I will continue to write on Lions the same as I did with Chris uh, last year and year before and uh, the year before that, whatever it was. Um, so it'll be the same with me and Colton now. So I'll be writing with him. Uh, a lot of the similar things that we've done in the past, uh, Colton and I've already done a film study on Malcolm Rodriguez that is up. Uh, we've got a couple more. I think we're going to wait on a couple actually um, once we get into training camp here. But we've got, we're going to do some more of those. Uh, I'll be out there at training camp, obviously, every day uh, the first week or so anyway, and we'll do our observations and all the things that everybody is used to seeing. And of course, once camp starts, uh, the, the show will be every week. Uh, it'll at least be Colton and I. Chris will be on when Chris can come on. I think it'll probably be at least for the first couple of weeks of camp because Chris isn't going to be able to get out there every day, uh, probably just Colton and I. But the show will be the same um, in terms of pace and everything else and the same type of analysis. That's part of the reason why, frankly, I said this, um, I think Brendan and I were talking about this on the other show, that I felt like a recruiter. I felt like a college football coach or something, for crying out loud, trying to get Colton uh, to join the Lions beat because I knew I did. I wanted this to stay as close to what everybody has signed up to, you know, support us here at The Athletic got used to, and that Colton understands football. Um, he knows the game at, you know, at a level that Chris and I, you know, write at. So I think that it won't be – uh, that big of a adjustment really at all, I don't think, uh, for people. And at the end of the day, I tell them um, this isn't less Lions coverage. I think it's going to be more uh, Lions coverage. So I'm really excited about it. So uh, without further ado, my job, of course, I, I've already started that. I'm writing more on yeah. NFL draft uh, prospects and things like that uh, nationally. So uh, Chris can explain more of that as well uh, with his role. Yeah, I mean, I'll just add on to to the Colton part of what you were just saying too. Like, I think most of my favorite stories Colton's written while covering Michigan state have been that stuff that we know lions fans really like the behind the yeah, scenes 100%. stuff, the people you don't hear about in the organization a whole lot. And so I think that that hopefully, you know, kind of naturally transitions over because there still aren't many people that tell some of the stories that we're able to tell. So I think that that'll be really cool. And, and to get, you know, Nick, you and I both grew up in this state. So mm -hmm we know like <laughs> where the lions have been for so long. And I think right. uh, it's kind of cool to have a little bit more of a, an outside perspective on it too. Um, but an NFC North perspective, but an NFC North, right. <laughs> from Colton's <laughs> Chicago roots, Colton, we've already had people that are like, are you going to be a bears? Are you going to be a bears Homer? I'm like, no, this is not how this works. I don't, okay. I don't care about the bears. <laughs> I don't like... care about the bears. <laughs> we can put that to bed. 
before it even begins. This is, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, end of the day, <laughs> there'll be more Alliance coverage, but I also want Chris to tell uh, more about yeah. his job because it's also changing. Have you been in the Soldier Field press box yet, Colton? I've not. You won't be a Bears fan anymore after <laughs> that. <laughs> the worst press box <laughs> in that league. Uh, I that actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously things are changing uh, for me. I, I'm as people who have been paying attention on Twitter and whatever. Um, no, I, I'm shifting over to an editor role. Uh, I guess I've already shifted over to an editor role. I'll be helping run our NFL draft section, which is uh, Nick and Dane Brugler, who's incredible, of course. Um, Nate Tice, uh, Deontay Lee. Is that everyone? I think that's yeah. all of them. So, yeah, a really good team over there. Um, I've known Dane for a long time. Uh, I think it'll be really cool. I've been, you know – it's it was kind of, of a already, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I tweeted it was a tough decision because it was basically, you know, I'd worked so hard to try and establish help establish this beat. Like I came in in 2017. The first mm-hmm. few posts I wrote were like it'd be like 40 people read them. There was like no <laughs> subscribers yet. Mm-hmm. I think we were sending out posts for free because we we're just like, please, someone click on the website. <laughs> so we didn't know what it was going to be like, and um. Obviously, the response over the past few years has been incredible. And, you know, Nick and I have really seen, I think, the the subscriber base and the appetite for it blow up over the last couple of years here. And especially since Dan Campbell got in, oh, yeah. um, you know, just the enthusiasm's been there. So it was tough to kind of bail on that. Um, but at the same time, I've been talking to the higher ups at The Athletic for a little bit about getting more into the draft stuff. That's a lot of where my background is in this job um when i was an editor before when i was young you know like just out of college i was an editor back when aol was a thing at the sports uh, there um and that was a lot of draft coverage and then when, when i was at sports illustrated they one spring kind of wound up scrambling and needing draft coverage and asked me to do it and then i ended up spearheading that for a few years so it's just always something i've really enjoyed doing and um this gets me off the road a little bit more and, and home a little bit more. And that was, um, you know, I talked to Craig Custance when I was making the decision who hired me here in the first place. And, you know, I sort of laid it out and he, he said, well, what's the biggest reason you want to do this? And I said, well, you know, I like, it's hard for me to sort of balance out the, the travel and then being at the facility all the, all the time. And like, when I'm busiest, like right now, training camp starts and then like the weekends in the fall when I'm busiest is when like my kids have free time. And yeah. so it was just it was tough to sort of figure out that balance. And and I think his message was like, well, it sounds like you'd be leaving for the right reasons. Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, so I'm excited. But yeah, like Nick said, I think the plan is to still at least like pitch in, if not help co-host this podcast. Uh, you know, Nick and I were just talking about times when I might be able to get out to camp. I'm already, you know, I'll probably be out at the uh, Ford Field like scrimmage thing they do, yeah. not in a media perspective, <laughs> in a media role necessarily, but I'll be there. And so I think there'll be some opportunities to to pop back in from time to time uh, if Colton and Nick will have me. So, but yeah, the podcast should, room, yes. should be here, <laughs> uh, should be here and, and rolling uh yeah and like nick said i think it just expands um our coverage some of the times where you guys were complaining that we didn't have podcasts is because one of us was you know nick was covering michigan and ohio state or yeah like there was just other stuff going on and so now we should be able to kind of bridge that gap so yeah i think it's important to note that like the lions are a big big focus here um and i think it's important 
to say that, and it's not like that's because of the people who listen to the show in a large part, because most of the people who listen to the show are subscribers. And I think it's important to tell people that because I think you can sort of see it and you will see it as the year goes on. But I mean, like, people are interested, right? I mean, people are interested in the Lions. The, the interest is growing. It's something that um, there's a bit of a buzz here. Chris and I, we've talked about this for a little while. It, it seems like it's different than it's been in other you know, restarts or whatever. So it's an exciting time. I guess we can say it's a different time anyway. That, that was one of the other reasons weird. I hesitated, and hesitated leaving because I was like, do I want to bail right now when this might it's get different time. good? Yeah. But, all right. <laughs> but it's a time nonetheless and things are moving on. But either way, in the immediate here, because we will talk about football today, um, camp starts next week, uh, the 27th. Yeah. Is that right? Is it Wednesday? I actually thought it was the first. I was wrong. And then I, Allison told me yesterday that it was 27. So I was like, oh, okay. So it's like three days, four days before I thought it was. But camp yeah, starts next week yeah. on us. It's here. Um, Colton and I will have a, a primer coming out Monday. Uh, but there was a couple things I wanted to talk about today because there were some things I was going over um, in terms of position battles. And, like, Chris, if I had to ask you sort of at the top, like, what would your number one – and Colton and I were talking about a little bit in the secondary yesterday and some other things, but what would your, maybe your number one position battle of like when camp starts, when the pads go on that you're saying, I want to see, you know, whether it's a glamorous spot or not, like I want to see how this shakes out. I mean, it's, I think for me, it's still safety, which is what we've been talking about for like, Forever. since you yeah. came over to the Lions, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's in, it feels like it's in a little better shape. I, that whole secondary, like you said, I think has question marks and, and uh, at cornerback, especially the injury question marks are there, but you know, safety, because we didn't see a lot of Deshaun Elliott in the spring, he was hurt, which yeah. was sort of the, I mean, the reason they got him cheap in the first place is because he was hurt all last year. So you need to see him healthy. I mean, Aubrey Pleasant came right out and told us at the senior bowl that like, Tracy Walker's got to go to another level. Like that's what yeah. we keep talking about with him. He's got to take it to another level. So does he have that other level or is that just right. sort of like a dream that they're hoping he finds? Um, you know, Kirby Joseph is in that mix. Ify Melifanu is a safety now, I guess. Right. We didn't exactly. see him a lot because he was hurt. And then they have a bunch of pieces that are, you know, kind of feel like depth guys, but who knows? They might end up having to play a ton. So I think that that's the one, especially knowing – and we talk about all the time how much this defense puts on its safeties and how much Aaron Glenn, you know, how much responsibility they have on every single play uh, and just how often they're playing three safeties too. I mean, there's a lot right. of playing time and important playing time available there. So we think most of it's going to be Walker and Elliott if he's healthy, but I don't know for sure that that's going to be the setup. And right. it, they need to be really good there if this defense is going to be uh, like formidable in any way. So that's the one for me that I think just kind of seeing how it settles beyond Tracy Walker, really. Yeah. I mean, I think that mine, and Colton, I was going to ask you about this because I know you looked at it yesterday, that it blends into the whole secondary, the corner and safety, because I think it works. Like Walker's the only guy in the whole thing that you're like, oh, he's he's a guy. We know what he is. Everyone yeah. else, except for, I guess, Orwarie, who like we've gone back and forth on forever here about like, at best, I think he's probably a two. You know, at, at worst, he's a three or he's not a guy. I don't know. I don't know if he's a one. You know, we don't know anything about Okuda right now. Uh, Jerry Jacobs had a nice year last year, but he's coming up an injury. There's nothing. There's just like, will I have Will Harris still as a possible favorite 
to start at corner. So, I mean, the entire secondary, when I look at it, going into training camp is a complete and total question mark. And I know, Colton, we talked, we talked about that yesterday. Like, what you, some of your early thoughts after you've sort of dived, I'm curious, uh, your impressions coming from the outside in here uh, of what you'll be looking for when they get going out there. Yeah, I mean, just talking about that position again, it seems like a lot of names, but not, you know, a ton of. Yeah, it's a lot of names. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, like a long list. And you're, I guess you're hoping that Aaron Glenn and Abby Pleasant can get the most out of that. It seems like that's been the case. You know, they've been just giving them pieces and saying, all right, go to work, do what you can. But yeah, I think eventually you'd like one of these guys to step up. Like Akuda, he's had a pretty tough start to his career. Yeah. Pretty rough rookie year, the Achilles last year. I mean, like that's as brutal start as you can, you can expect. And, you know, we'll see, like you, you and I were talking about him yesterday and it seems like he's, yeah. you know, very mentally tough on himself and that might be underselling a little bit. Um, yeah. so we'll see how that meshes with, you know, coming back from a major injury and, you know, how that all factors in together. Um, you know, you mentioned the other pieces there. It's like, it seems that corner, the biggest thing is health. They haven't been healthy. They're kind of scrambling to find stuff. And then at safety, it's like, do we have anyone else back there? Like, Besides Tracy Walker, like right. he's going to step up here, and what kind of depth do we have if there's an injury? So, I mean, that's definitely one area I'm looking at for training camp, and I'm sure there'll be more that pop up as we come. But it definitely seems like that's one of the biggest questions right now, and I'll, we're going to be asked to do like an all 32 where we kind of ask what's the biggest question going into training camp. That's what I wrote down for yeah. that section, just talking about the secondary. So it should be pretty interesting. Okuda in general is uh, probably an interesting yeah. person to watch. All of camp because yeah we were talking about that yesterday like and we've talked about it so many times um as we are already on a countdown here the, the uh he is <laughs> like every time he was out there for anything in spring uh he was like he didn't he looked uncomfortable i don't know like how else to put that because i don't know what else you would say like he didn't look he looked anxious uh, he, he gave a, he gave one talk, I think off to the side, maybe two. And it's like, it was kind of Okuda, but he was intense. And it's like, he's so focused, hyper-focused right now. Right. You could tell, but there's part of me that's just got this in the back of my head that I'm concerned that he's winding himself up so tight that it's like, are, are you going to be okay when, when this goes like, that's my, I'm curious, Chris, for your thoughts on this, because Colton mentioned, but Okuda is kind of like the big. When he gets back out there healthy, I don't know when that's going to be, but like that's really right now. If you're talking about one player in camp, it might be him as the guy that you're like, you got to see something here, good or bad. What's it going to be? Well, that's kind of always been the thing with him, yeah. though, right? It, you know, but now the he, pressure. Well, you're right, but you, I mean, you hear the co- coaches talk all the time about like if you're going to play corner, you got to have that short memory. Like if yeah. you're going to give up a play, you got to come right back and make a play the next time. And I don't know that he has that short memory. I mean, no. at some point he. He must have like, obviously he was very good at Ohio state. I think when we went into that draft and we were looking at prospects, certainly he was an obvious pick for them. Right. He was the best player for them at that point. I think it was, he was top five in that class. And so um, he's made it work, but yeah, I mean, I think that that even in, even when he was healthy in camp last year, you know, he'd have a rep, just like off to the side when they were doing positional self and he'd screw up and then you'd hear pleasant screaming at him because yeah. he was, he was so focused on what he'd done wrong that he like wasn't able to come back and do the next rep. Right. And so, right. yeah, like is this is such a huge task in front of him to come back and not just come back, but I think like you said, the way he's working, I think his expectation is that he's going to come back and be the number one cornerback on this defense 
And like, I don't know, like, I don't know that he was going to be the number one quarterback all last season. If he stayed healthy, like, was he good enough to do that? And now you're coming back from that type of injury. We need to see what the speed looks like. We need to see what the change of direction looks like. I mean, we've said all along, he is a really, I think he has the potential to be a really, really smart, like coach on the field type player for them. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it sort of remains to be seen sort of what, what he's going to look like as August is going to be really tough. Um, and I don't think he's going to, I can't imagine he hits the ground running at hundred percent the first day of camp. Right. So yeah, like once he get cleared, once he rejoin that first team defense, how's he look if he gets a shot against shark or Josh Reynolds? Like, I don't know. I think it is one of the biggest questions. I mean, there's a lot of questions on defense. I was just like, after I answered that safety was the one I was watching, I was like, well, maybe defensive tackle. I also don't know who's (laughs) playing defensive tackle, but Okuda is the one piece for me because I do think there is as good as Oro Worrier has been in his role. I do think there is kind of a ceiling there. Mm -hmm. And I think you can argue that Okuda's ceiling is higher, but he's a long way from that ceiling now, right? Like you wouldn't put him anywhere. Like, no, I don't know. Close. I mean, do you think he's going to start? Like, would, if you had to guess right now, do you think he's a starter in week one? Well, um, I put down on our position battles for corner. I know I did not have him as a starter. And I was like, I can feel his laser stare, you know, boring through my skull right now with rage because, but no, I mean that we haven't, there's no evidence. We haven't seen him do anything since he got hurt uh, in that, in that first game. And he got burned in that game, like a couple times, if I can look all the way back and remember. It wasn't good. Like, that was the game where Pleasant lost it on him on TV. And everybody, remember, and it was right. like he was yeah. just trying to get him to focus. Like, Jeff, just shut up and listen to me. Like, stop, <laughs> him, stop telling me what happened. Stop telling me why it happened. Just shut up and listen. Like, that stuff is what I worry about with him. So, let me ask this. Is he a guy that the coaching staff will give him every opportunity to be a starting corner? Or are I they going so. to be hard on him and make him earn it. I think that's the biggest question, right? Cause it's like, cause Colton, you said yesterday, is he going to be a safety? Is he going to be, what's he going to be? And it's like, yeah. and it's like, uh, well, I think it's going to be what you just said. I think it's going to be, I'm not trying to wreck the guy's confidence. Number one. And like Chris said earlier, his mindset is uh, an alpha competitor. I'm the best guy here. I was a number three pick in the draft for a reason. I am not a bust. I am going to be a number one quarter in this league. And I think that, that whole mindset is part of the reason why they like him and part of the reason why I think they, they want it to work for him and why, you know, specific, specifically Glenn likes him. And I think that that's why, yes, it will start out as go show it. But, but if you can't show it, and if, if we get to like the third week of preseason or something and he's struggling still and everything else, well, you know, maybe then it's time to have a different conversation. I don't know. Or maybe that's something that lingers into the year. I don't know. But it's a really important, I would say, like, August and September are huge for him. Because well, I think yeah, what we've seen from this coaching staff, and as a player, there's probably some positives and negatives to this, but, like, they'll give him a chance because they'll give everyone a chance. And I think, sure. like, if like if he goes out there and, like, Savion Smith and Bobby Price are better than him, exactly. then they're going to play Savion Smith and Bobby Price, and they'll yeah. have a conversation about what to do with Okuda. So, But, I, I mean, I think in terms of – the way he's approached this injury, he's been in the building a ton. He's wanted to be around oh, yeah. the team. Like I, he's definitely 
like vocally, you can you could just watch him at camp and and even when he couldn't participate in OTAs, like if he wasn't off working to the side by himself, he was right in there. He's he can be a leader on this defense. So I think that they love him to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also there. didn't pick him and oh. <laughs> he was hurt last year. And so I don't know, you know, they're not going off a whole lot here in terms of like, well, what's what could this be? I, I think it's yeah, I mean, it really is just a lot of kind of cross your fingers and hope it works out because I do think, again, I think he has the highest ceiling of any cornerback on that roster, but yeah, if you were stacking it up right now, like headed into next week, where yeah. does he rank? It's really it would hard. be below like four or five guys probably. It's really hard. You just nailed it because like they didn't pick him and he's trying so hard. I think somewhere deep in there to prove to them you should, you know, if you were the, if you were the staff, you yeah. would have picked me. But I think they're probably trying to tell him, like, dude, stop. Like, you're our guy. You're, you're one of our dudes. But also, on the other hand, you're like, but also, you kind of need to do something. We've never seen you do anything. Yeah. Only thing we have on film of you in the NFL is getting your ass kicked. So, man, like, it's a – like, if I'm looking at one guy where you're like, when the, when, the, when the injury wheels come off and he can get going again, like, more than anybody else, it's him. I think, and maybe more than anybody else on the team, really. Like, because we talked about that when he got hurt, Chris. Like, if he can't come back, and if he's not, if he's not the same, or you have to, whatever, you have got to restart now at a spot that you just, you know, invested a number three pick. Like three years later, you're you're almost restarting. So, to Colton, for your point earlier, like I think you kind of have to exhaust all corner, whatever, with him, and let him sort of maybe even go into the season and just see what happens. And if he surprises you, he surprises you. Or maybe it's not even a surprise. Maybe he's just ready. I don't know. But like, I mean, you remember at Ohio State? It's, it wasn't bullshit. I mean, he was good. It wasn't you know. Yeah, that that 2019 Michigan State Ohio State game. Really good. Yeah. Incredible. I was like, this guy's going to be a future star. So I mean, it's kind of unfortunate with the injury and everything that we haven't been able to see him on the field a ton. You know, his first year he was with Matt Matt Patricia's team. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it has been kind of interesting. Um, that we haven't been able to see him, unfortunate, but you know, we'll see what he can do this this uh, upcoming week and yeah. this season ultimately. So yeah, uh, Jeff Okuda, of course, I think is is probably the guy that I've thought about the most as we go into camp here. But the other thing I think that I think about and that we've talked about a lot um, that we're not going to see right away uh, is the offensive line uh, and just the general sort of feel about you know where that's all at. Uh, can they be dominant and everything else? And I think it's a weird thing a little bit because we've talked a lot about what it can be or what it could be or what it could look like. But reality is reality. In like two weeks, they're going to put pads on. They're going to actually going to do it. And it's going to have to be like, it's going to have to be good. So I'm very curious to see what all that uh, is going to look like. I mean, what questions uh, do we have? Do we have questions up front, Chris, with the offensive line right now? What's what? What are you looking for them to be dominant? Are we looking for them to be functional they really never played together all five yeah so, i mean like that's that's curious as well well you've been waiting for hutchinson waiting. against sewell yeah, for months. Four, four months now so uh i'm excited to see that um i mean i think they i think they expect to be dominant um, i think so too i think that's that should be the expectation so again that's a pretty high bar but if you look at those guys like frank ragnow's an elite center in this league yeah. sewell looked incredible in the spring i mean i think he has the potential to be one of the best tackles in football soon yes. um whether he's on the left or right side 
they're pretty good at guard. I mean, Vitae, we talked about it in the spring too, looks slimmed down. I thought he played pretty well last year. Uh, Jonah Jackson is a really good player. And then, you know, to me, I guess if you're talking about, you're kind of nitpicking, like, are you going to be good or are you going to be great? Like, is Taylor Decker a top five or 10 left tackle in this league or is he an average left tackle? And so I guess like he's got to be at that top level too. Um, But I mean, yeah, we haven't seen him healthy, but I think if they are healthy, uh, pretty much everything this offense is going to do runs through how they're playing. Like if they have games where they go into the game planning sessions and they say, we can just kill these teams up front. They're going to run the ball 35 times and they're just going to do that. Um, But they also have some flexibility with the athletes they have up there to use the play action and use the screen game and everything. I mean, I think it could be a lot of fun. And (laughs) the question I have up there is not so much like how good can that front be? It's again, you know, what happens if you lose one? Because the depth there, other than Evan Brown at center, who I thought played pretty well last year, like the depth there is a problem still for me. Um, And yeah, they didn't play a snap together last year. So now you're going to get 17 games out of them all out there. Exactly. It just doesn't happen in the NFL. So I don't know. Uh, Colton, what's your first impression of those guys up front? Uh, I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch like Sewell at this point yet, but uh, uh, you know, what, what do you think about that group? Nick's been hyping up Sewell that uh, Hutchinson <laughs> matchup. So did he, play, did, he, did, did he play in the, he, he play in that Michigan state, Oregon uh, Ooh, classic bowl game. <laughs> I don't know if he opted he probably, out. He probably that, was, that might've been his last game. That might've been right. Oh yeah. Herbert played too. Right. Don't remind me of that game. The red ball. <laughs> oh, the worst game I've ever seen. Six. That defense, Michigan State's defense, made Justin Herbert look like a he's going to be a future yeah. bust. Like a bum. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, just looking at the offensive line, I think it's a lot of the stuff that you guys mentioned. Like it has the potential to be dominant. I didn't realize that they hadn't played. You know, was it even a single snap last year together? Like yeah. that's that five. Yeah, it's crazy. Injuries were just yeah, random. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, on paper, it, it seems like it could be one of the best offensive lines in the league. And, I mean, Nick, you mentioned the other day we were kind of talking a little bit with DeAndre Swift and, you know, that potential with, the you know, the offensive line, him healthy and, and running behind that line. It seems like that could be the Lions game plan and, you know, reason for success this year if it all comes together. But obviously health is a big issue. I think the depth, like you mentioned, is a little bit concerning. Um, you know, who's going to step up behind that group? if they are injured, like going from zero snaps played to 17 games together is, is tough. Yeah. So um, probably a lot of the same things that you guys just mentioned, but it seems like the offensive line on paper, if, if you can get that production out of them for, even if it's not all 17 games, you can get that right. for the majority of the season. You can do some damage in the trenches. And I think that they should be considered one of the best offensive lines in football if they are healthy and all on, on the field together. I think that the two things that I would look for once the pads come on for all of camp, um, and really all of like the first little bit here of the season would be uh, is if Sewell takes the next you know step that we think he's going to take, which, you know, someone asked me that I think a couple weeks ago and I was kind of like, maybe it was on the podcast and it was like, if we get to the end of the season and they're just like running behind Sewell and he's just caving guys and it's obvious he's exactly where you want him to be. So getting closer to that, maybe not there, but starting to be a mauler, starting to be a guy that we see, that's going out there and dominating stretches. And then also, you know, is Frank Ragnar, is he back to where, you know, physically where we expect him to be? And is he going to go right back to the track that he was on to where I thought 
he was already, I thought, the best center in, in football. But to be fair, he's hurt. Now he's got to come back and sort of prove it again. So if those two guys who I think are the closest thing that we can call to generational talents on this team, if those two guys can continue to take their steps to where they want to go, then like, yeah, the run game is going to be hard to deal with because Jonah Jackson's a good player. He's maybe not a great player, maybe not like whatever, but he's going to idle at good or above average and he's going to play through injuries and he's going to be fine. Decker, I think like to Chris's point, is he a top 10 left tackle in the league? I don't know, maybe, but I don't think he has to be anything more than that because if you got a good guard next to him, that's cool because the guy next to him is the best center in football. Then you flip to the other side, you got a generational tackle. And frankly, we've talked about this. I, I like what Vitae's done, and I don't care who the other guard is. It can be a, a warm body. If he's in between Frank and Sewell, like, I don't yeah. care who it is. So Frank and Sewell are the two guys that I look at and say, like, if those two guys are the guys that we, like, feel the most in training camp, like the guys that you're like, they're kicking everyone's ass, then this is going exactly where it should be going because those are the two best players on the offense. And I think that at some point, you know, regardless of the quarterback stuff, which we're going to talk about in a second here and all that, this whole thing goes where the run game goes and where the offensive line takes it. And those two, Frank and Sewell, are the most important, I think, players probably on the team. You're, you're talking about two of the top five players of that position, potentially. Yeah. And maybe if Sewell takes that next step, maybe, maybe the best. best. Yeah. So I think it doesn't really matter. The other pieces you have around them, as long as they're serviceable, you're going to be fine. And th- some of those players have the potential to be better than serviceable. So Exactly. Well, yeah. the, the rag. It's, it's a good spot. With Ragnow, and we probably didn't even talk about this um, quite as much as maybe it needed to be talked about last year, but like for the Lions to do what they did in the second half of the year offensively, and we talked about them not having the wide receiver pieces and Swift was hurt and all that, but to do that with Ragnow out of the lineup, I think that says a lot too about, you know, sort of how they called those games and and what they're able to do with the scheme because Ragnow, on top of being just a great lineman, is extremely smart up there. And he's a guy Goff lean, will lean on a ton and leaned on a ton last year and, and sees the field extremely well. So you put him back in and then you add that to the development that they had with that offense. And I think that that's the type of stuff that really um, excites them in the building is thinking about what Ragnow, you know, adds, adds in even mentally uh, at that position. Um I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys. Goff, <laughs> yeah. like you said, I know we're going to get into Goff. I know Colton already had a mailbag question about <laughs> Goff's future here. Uh, yeah. That he was is that kind of. The first one? <laughs> the first question was, what do you think about Goff? Yeah. He, I mean, he does it, it. It's not a unique challenge. There are other guys yeah. in the league who aren't, you know, other quarterbacks in the league who aren't ultra mobile, but it is something as you talk about, like, how good can this offensive line be? you have to take into account that they're also pass blocking for a quarterback who can't get out of the pocket. And so that's, you know, you're not going to have pass plays where say, all right, well, we don't need you to to wipe out your guy because we're going to roll him. We're going to roll him away. He's going to get out. He's going to do something with his feet. Like you, it's every single play. They either have to be smashing someone in the run game or they have to be holding a block for however long Jared Goff needs to hold a block for because he's not getting out of there. Um, (laughs) And so I think that that's something else too. That's one of the things like, especially with Decker, that's the one for me. Like, is yeah. he going to be an elite pass blocker this year? Because Jared Goff sort of demands that you be yes, elite pass fair. blockers yeah. up front. Yeah, that's, I, I, that is fair. And, and I guess that's the one thing 
where it all comes back to because and i was writing a little bit about this and colton i know you already got your mailbag question about golf but i was writing a little bit about this in the in the primer thing like and chris and i think have touched on this they've taken away all uh, i don't want to call them excuses we can call them whatever you want to call them they've taken away all of the uh things that you could lean on all the crutches all the guardrail whatever because once jameson williams is back you have speed all over the place at receiver you have a young up-and-coming tight end who you know a lot of people are very high on we just touched on possibly the best young offensive line in football and a guy like swift back there okay man like a lot of quarterbacks could probably make that work right i would think so i don't know you're golden we talked about golf yesterday a little bit too on you know his season being up and down I'm curious again outside coming in if I'm asking you from what you see of Jared Goff what do you tell me you see what what is he in your opinion as a guy that you you know you didn't watch every game up close like that last year what do you what do you see when you see Jared Goff I mean I think Goff sort of is what he is he's kind of limited in, in the yeah. stage of his career like he's going to be serviceable he's might not be a guy that can win you a Super Bowl at this point in his career um, but you know, the Lions aren't in position one one anyway right now. So I think right. you're at this point, you're just trying to figure out what you have in him. And last year probably wasn't the best year to figure that out. Um, you know, it doesn't that's seem fair. like that's fair. It doesn't seem like he was a great fit with Anthony Lynn. So, you know, obviously they have a change now with Ben Johnson coming in. And you know, I know you mentioned that he looked a lot better. Um, and Dan Campbell and, and Johnson kind of took over the play calling duties. I want to dive into those numbers a little bit more this week. Um, with true media, those statistics that we have. Mm -hmm. So I mean. I guess it seems like everything you just said, like this is the year to show that you can be, you know, a guy for at least the next couple of years, you know, we'll see how long he ends up being on the roster, but can you hold off on us trying to get up uh, into like the top 10 if, if we're not there and, and draft one of those guys right. to replace you or, you know, what's the season going to look like for you? I think this is a big year for him. Like you mentioned, he's got a lot of weapons, um, at receiver, Jameson Williams coming in. Um, DeAndre Swift is a great running back. Um, you know, he's got weapons around him. He's got a great offensive line, like you mentioned. So, it's kind of like almost a prove it year for him in a way. Um, and there, you know, that mailback question I got is basically saying like, how can we show improvement and still get a top quarterback? And that kind of shows you <laughs> right now. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't trust golf. It doesn't seem like it, at least from no. what I've seen so far. No. So I think and that's why would they? Yeah. 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 And, 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 and he has to prove it. He has to be better. And I think he has, you know, sort of the, the things that he needs around him now to be a better player than he was last year. And now exactly. it's really for him to, to actually go out and do it. So I think that's exactly. all fair. And that's the greatest point because they've taken away all of – because last year was it was fair to suggest as bad as he was in the first half, and he was, like personally whatever, mm. a lot of stuff around him was horrible, like really bad. And there were some times, you know, like you think back, Chris, to like the 49er again, the first game of the year where he stood in there and had to make some plays and had to do some things. There were some moments that maybe you look back and say in the moment – Maybe you're too critical on him for whatever reason, this, that, and the other. But as time goes on and you take away those things because now the receiving, you know, the receiver core is much better. All these things are working together in concert. Well, now, like, this is an offense that if if you're functioning, it should score points. It should move the ball. The court, you know, they, we, you mentioned uh, Ben Johnson. They bring him in and they've gone back this offseason and retooled the entire pass game to better fit everything he does well. Familiar concepts from the Rams. I They might have even gone back into his Cal bag. I don't know. Like, I mean, anything that fits, you know, his skill set to give him all possible tools to have the best year of his career because, frankly, he's going to have to 
because Chris, this is my question to you. This to me is this is it for Jared Goff. This is the year right here. You either do it and you go forward with this team as a possible answer, or you don't and you're a backup for the rest of your career. And I think that's on the table here for him. I'm curious for your thoughts. Maybe am I too harsh? Am I being too harsh there? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's tough because I think the the challenge always is like, okay, well, if he we still have to figure out a way to win games, right? Like you still yes. have to figure out a way to move this forward without having an elite, you know, quote unquote, elite quarterback. Exactly. Who knows when you're going to get that elite quarterback. Even if you draft one next year, like even if you go win four games this year, you or you trade up and you get Stroud or Bryce Young, like is he immediately coming in and right. taking you to the no. next level? I don't know. Probably or can not. you figure out a way to make this work with golf? And I think that that's the thing they keep coming back to is that like, no, he's not the best quarterback in the world. He's not the most mobile guy. I think they're honest with themselves about what he is and what he isn't, but mm-hmm. they, you know, we, we kind of brush it off when they say, well, he's been, he's a winner. He's won games in this league, but I think to them that matters. And I think they see sure. enough there, especially like we keep going back to that second half of last year, enough there to say, all right, well, we can, we can do some things with him. And it, like, I look even within the division, like, in his four years in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins has thrown 124 touchdown passes in like 30 or 35 interceptions. Pretty good. Is Kirk Cousins way better than Jared Goff as a quarterback? Nope. I don't. I I would argue he's probably not. And no. I say that at the risk of inciting the Michigan State fans who already are mad enough about Hutchinson being the pick. But um, and all of Minnesota, actually. Well, all of Minnesota. But I like, like that. Like to me, that I I think that there's. I, like that's sort of the the team that I look at. Like Minnesota's been super consistent. They haven't been right. a great team, but they've been consistent. They've been in the playoff race with a quarterback who's who's good. A couple of pieces away, right? Uh, yeah. And so I think that that's sort of what I see the lines being with Jared Goff. Like I think they can be a seven, eight, nine, ten win team with Goff. Maybe not ten wins this year, but like sure. if he's your guy for two years, you could get to nine or ten next year. And then you kind of figure it out because I think that's always like if he's not your guy, you've got to go find one. And who knows how many years that's going to take. So they've got to continue building this thing with the expectation that he's going to be good enough to keep it moving forward. And I think I think he can be that again. Again, like I would have loved to see them bring in someone else, too. Like, I don't think Tim Boyle and David Blau. Like I love David yeah. Blau. He's he's one of the nicest guys uh, in the league. But like, I don't know. That, Give me something else though? to work with there. Was that intentional though? Are they trying not to like you know mess with this you know golf hand or anything? Or yeah. like, what last it was year, last year for sure. I think so yeah, I think now this year. But to Chris's point, like it, it can't be. It shouldn't be. And you know, I think that maybe it still was. I don't know. Uh, you know, but like it's a decision is going to have to be made, you know, this year on him. And I think fair or not. And like, because it's going to be a hard one because uh, unless he's horrible, if he's horrible, then it's an easy decision. You got to move on. Right. And the other decision, I guess, if he's, if he's what he was last year, let me ask you that one, Chris, if he, what, if, if golf is basically what he was last year uh, and the year ends, are you, <laughs> you have the out, you have the $10 million or, you have you can yeah. wait and you have five year after like i mean it's there's a couple things you could do you wouldn't have to it doesn't have to be just a hard like get rid of him you're out of here 
So I think that you can look at it that way and say, you know, it's it, it could go in stages, but I mean, it's going to be pretty obvious if if he's not very good and and it's uh, and suddenly they're trading draft picks and they're going, to, you know, it's Garoppolo part two. I mean, you don't want that, right? Well, that, that's I mean, that's part of the conversation, though, right? Like, it's, yeah. if you get to the end of the year and Arizona's like, hey, do you want Kyler Murray? Like, oh well, all right, well maybe we look at that. But if yeah. you if you're at the end of the year and you're picking. 18 and 31 in the first round and Goff played okay. all right. And his <laughs> cap hit next year is pretty much the same as it is this year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there are going to be some difficult conversations, but again, I, to some extent, I feel like we maybe overblow sort of what the Goff conversation even is within the building. Cause when they traded for him and then they redid the contract, we said it's two years. They want two years. Yep. And then the first half of last year happened. We were like, get rid we were of We like, please put someone else in a quarterback. Uh, but it was always like, this was always the window. Two years yeah, and then figure yeah. out sort of where you are as a team. Maybe he's great. Maybe this offense looks incredible with him right. this year. And they surprise everyone and they're in the playoff hunt. And he, you win nine games. And then I think you do probably bring him back. And yes. yeah. But if it's like he's okay and you go six and 11, I mean, I, I don't think you need to force it. I think that's sort of the beauty of what they have here is they like, he's still yeah. 28. Like, it's not like he's a 39 year old quarterback. Exactly. Like, he's still a guy he's, that if he comes out and plays well, okay. You well, still have the it. in theory possibility of Jared Goff hitting that, you know, magic age that we talk about a lot, 28, 29, where a quarterback finally mentally starts to see the game at a level that we would say is like mastery level. You're, you're, you're understanding yeah. and hopefully the game is slowing down for you to where you can overcome some of your physical limitations and be a better football player. Like maybe he's going to become that guy. And if he does become that guy, then they can say, okay, well, maybe we can get like two or three more years out of golf. We won't have to spend our entire draft finding another quarterback. We can still draft a quarterback. Yeah. Somewhere. Right. We could, still, and you know, we haven't touched on this and we would know everyone on this call. There are more quarterbacks coming out in this class that you don't have to necessarily sit at the top. And so I think that it changes a little bit about maybe your calculus on how we place. He just can't be a disaster, I guess. I he well, can't, he's got to be better in some capacity here, right? Let me ask Colton as we help uh, Lions readers get to know Colton here a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah. What do you think the quarterback position needs to be, I guess, on a contending team in the NFL? Like, do you have to have Josh Allen or Mahomes or this version of Matthew Stafford that we saw <laughs> last year? Or can you win with, you know, Goff or Cousins or, I like, don't know, Ryan Tannehill? Or like, cousins, yeah. like peak Cousins, we'll say. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I mean, obviously it helps to have one of those guys, but, I mean, we've seen teams make runs without it. Like the 49ers been in the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Jimmy. Um it depends. I think it depends what's around you. And if your roster on defense is strong enough, you have a good offensive line in place, you have weapons around the quarterback to maximize, you know, his limitations, just get to as close to his ceiling as, as he can get. I don't think you necessarily need a Josh Allen type. I've, again, obviously it helps, but, you know, I just think the biggest thing with the Lions right now is they have options. You know, they can right. golf cruise himself this year. Maybe you keep him around for a couple more years. Um if he does improve a little bit, but it's still not the quarterback that you want, maybe you can just stand pat with your picks, get someone at 18 if that's where it is. You know, one of those, you know, second-tier quarterbacks outside of the top two. Um, 
and kind of let him develop while keeping golf around. Yes. Uh, or you can use those, you know, your draft capital to kind of make a big splash if you do want to get in the top five or whatever and land one of those guys. So they have a lot of different options, a lot of different possibilities. It just depends on golf and how he plays. This is a big 100%. year for him and ultimately it comes down to his performance on the field, whether the Lions make a move or not. That's really well said because the better the better golf play, and this is important to say here, the better he plays, all fans should remember this when you're getting pissed and yelling and screaming for him to get benched. The better he plays this season, the better it is for them long-term, whether he's the quarterback or not. Because Colton just said it. If he can play to a level where he's good enough to buy a pass to the next year or the year after, you can then get a quarterback in here that you don't have to put a gun to his head and say, like, you're a guy right now, today. Like, you have to go win 12 games. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, so the better he plays, the better it is for you long term. He becomes a trade asset, possibly, heaven forbid. I mean, so all those things, yeah. I think, are the reason why you saw the Lions do what they do last year with you take, you know, the thing away from Anthony Lynn, as hard as that was, they've gone forward with Ben Johnson and created, you know, brought in receivers, I think, that fit, you know, a lot of what they want to run with golf and sort of created a pass game. And I think we'll see it with the play action and everything else that we see when camp is going that'll better suit what he does as quarterbacks. Chris, we did, we did run the story today on Ben Johnson that we did. We sat with him, uh, you know, during we watched tape with him for about an hour on Josh Reynolds and DJ shark, but, you know, curious your thoughts. My biggest impression remains that, you know, Johnson sees all this, the same thing that we're talking about. It's like, if we can get him to be as comfortable as possible and just be like, just make the easy shots. And if we can make it easy for you, it's going to be enough and it's going to be really good for all of us because like, it's, it's just going to benefit everyone top down. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that goes back to them understanding what the pros and cons are with golf, right? Like right. it's not like, you know who he is. Don't lie to yourself. And I yeah. think some of that was where the Anthony Lynn disconnect was like this last year, they went out and got the couple of vertical receivers right away that, you know, they wanted Perriman and Tyrell Williams to stretch the field. And then we got to camp and they threw like one deep ball the first three weeks of practice. I'm like, well, this isn't good. These are no. the pieces. These pieces don't make any sense with what you right. just are trying to do. And so then Anthony Lynn left and uh, or Anthony Lynn's job shifted yeah, or changed. whatever. And and uh, I think we saw them make that adjustment, even with just like St. Brown and anyone else they could find to play receiver. We saw a lot more of um you know, just get the ball out of golf's hands, get it out to guys, let them make plays. We have some, we have playmakers even down our right. depth chart. Yeah. But they've also said, you know, we're sort of basing everything we're talking about with this offense off the second half of last year. They've also said they basically like scrapped it and started over, you know, that yep. was really like, they're relearning everything. St. Brown said it, Ben Johnson sort of told us that, like they took some pieces from last year that worked, but this is going to look in theory, totally different than it did over the second half of last year. And I think a lot of that goes to golf, but also to like when they're talking about all the different types of routes Hawkinson can run and all the different things shark can do that he didn't get to do. Like Jim Jackson, exactly. he was, he ran like go routes all the time. That's all he did. And, yeah. you know, we've already seen him like playing out of the slot a little bit and doing some stuff underneath where they get it to him. I and mean, he's a four, three guy, like just give him the ball and get out of the way, see what he can do. Um, and so I think like, the idea, like you're saying, is to just make this as easy as possible. So yep. 
Goff doesn't have to stand back there and get to his fourth read and right, right. throw to a yeah. guy who's covered. Like just because he's never going to get there. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. He's going to do one of those uh, spin moves <laughs> that are terrible and get set. Right. Um, exactly. That's the best point. I mean, the yeah, offense I mean, has to be faster. It has to be more efficient. Yeah. You can't. I mean, there's again, there's a limit to how much you can like. I don't even want to say dumb it down, but whatever the phrase is, you know, like there's a limit to how much you can scale it back and make it easy for a quarterback in the NFL. Like eventually if you're going to win games, you're going to have to make plays. Right. Um, But I do think that this will make a lot more sense this year than what it did at the start of last year. So that's something, I mean, I, I think I said it on the last podcast or wrote it or something like there were times in camp last year where we were all standing there as a media watching them on offense. You're like, they are going to score like three touchdowns this season. This is yeah. terrible. <laughs> and I think already it looks, it looks more. Yeah, cohesive they were, and, and they were trying to run an offense with guys that didn't know how to, you know, that didn't fit. And now I think there's more focused on uh, trying to get guys open, just trying to, you know, what does he, what does he do? Well, what, what does his route tree look like in comparison to him? Okay. Let's, Let's find stuff that he does well so he can get open so Jared can have a guy that's open. You know, check here, throw there. Like, those are the things I think they're trying to establish so you can play with a little more tempo and then change the speeds. And Campbell's talked about that as well. So if you get into a spot in a game where you want to grind it out and let that offensive line do its thing, you can do that. But, you know, some of the quick game that we saw from them late last year, I think that'll be incorporated as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be like a giant hodgepodge of – Routes that Shark runs well, routes Reynolds runs well, concepts that they all sort of tie together. Let's do things to just find ways to move the ball. That's all they have. Find ways to move the ball. Keep the defense off the field as much as you possibly can and see if you can steal a few, right? I think that that's where they're at now. When we look at the record and the season and everything top down, it's like, what? And those are the games you look at and say, what games can you realistically, if you're at your best, and if the talent level is higher than it was a year ago, which it is, uh, which games can you steal? And if we look back to a year ago, there's probably a more than you more than you probably think off the top of your head, I guess. And I think that's probably the reason for optimism. But it's also like still in that same like your margins are very, very, very thin if they even exist. And that's kind of where the lines are still at. So um, we got any other parting thoughts here, gentlemen? I think we're going to run on a timer here. So Chris, you're muted. Chris is muted. You're muted. You're still muted. There you go. <laughs> Uh, can I? I can't hear him. Can you hear him, Colton? I cannot. Chris is still muted. So, Colton, okay. you're there. Right. We go. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, now you're talking. There he is. Oh my God. You're good now. Okay. Three this weeks why, off the beat, and I forget why, how to use. Just retired <laughs> from podcast. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask Colton, like, this will be your first, yeah. like, full training camp experience as an NFL beat writer. So. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling heading in? Like, what are you uh, looking forward to? You've got the hard knocks wrinkle this year too, but you know, yeah. just sort of, uh, I don't know. What, what are you excited to see out there? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go. And I, I think I have to adjust my sleep schedule a little bit. If we're out there at 8 a.m. every day, <laughs> yeah. no more 2.30 a.m. bedtimes. Um, <laughs> so I'll have to fix that. But no, I'm excited to get out there. Um, it'll, it'll be more professional and, you know, less restrictions coming from a college oh, yeah. NFL, a lot more access, you know, a lot, you know, the locker room access. I'm looking forward to that um, eventually whenever it comes. Um, and yeah, just kind of getting to know the team a little bit. Cause I'm still, everything I know right now is either based off of, you know, stuff that you guys have written or mm-hmm. you know, kind of watching a few games here and there. Um, so I'm looking forward to actually like, 
seeing things with my own eyes and getting out there. And yeah, we do have hard knocks. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to be on camera. I'll, I'll maybe <laughs> dress up a little nicer just in case I like, end kind of a shot or something. <laughs> but uh, no, it should be a good deal. Uh, hey, I tell you what, after the 10th day of camp, you are not going to care what you're okay. what yeah. you're looking like. It'll be just make sure you have comfortable shoes, Colton, and a hat. And a nice hat to keep that sun <laughs> off the head. It's <laughs> enough. But yes, that'll be uh, next week. So we'll be back. I think we're going to start um, weekly shows, I imagine, uh, once camp starts. That'll be next week. So Colton and I will be back with you all uh, at some point next week. And then Chris will be back with us, I don't know, whenever uh, he comes back around. We'll figure, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, if you've got anything else, Chris, I'll let you write us on onto here. But otherwise, Colton, I appreciate uh, the time. And we'll see you next week. Very excited to get started. No, man. I would just reiterate that, like, I think that I, I know we've, uh, it's a little different for subscribers. And it's a, we're asking sort of a leap of faith from people to sort of hang with us as we change it. You know, you subscribe yeah, right. for the coverage that Nick and I have provided, or you subscribe to Michigan State coverage because right. Colton's right. done a great job there. And we're sort of asking this leap of faith for you to stick with us here. But I, like I said, I think Colton's Lions fans who aren't familiar with Colton, I think are going to really enjoy what they get from him. Michigan state fans who also happen to be lions fans should be thrilled that uh, yeah. just knowing what he did on that beat. And then thinking about, like he said, like the access and everything and the benefit, I guess, if there is one of um, sort of the COVID situation we've had for the past couple of years is they've turned over like this entire roster and none of yeah. the reporters out there have spent any time with anyone. So no. you're sort of coming in at the new. same level. Um, so, I, I mean, I just would, um, I guess, say thanks to everyone who subscribed on the Lions side and the Michigan State side. And and just, I think I'm really looking forward to seeing what it looks like. I think you're going to be really happy with how the coverage sort of unfolds here. And, and like Nick said, I think this ultimately will give you more uh bang for your buck on the lions coverage because you'll have colton out there every day you'll have nick in his usual role and then i'm here as another set of eyes and ears to sort of pick up the slack if there ever is any so um i don't know i'm looking forward to it it should be yes as far as lion seasons go (laughs) and i always you know you sort of hesitate because people always get a little optimistic but this the buzz around this team is different than it's been I don't know. In it feels years. different than yeah. it has in a long time. So yeah. uh, it should be interesting to see where it goes. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, podcast will be here on a regular basis. You can uh, Colton's been writing some line stuff. You can continue to check out his stuff as camp gets going next week. They mentioned they have their training camp primer going up. Um, Nick and I just had our story with Ben Johnson go up uh, on whatever day it is. Today, Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, so head over to theathletic.com and check that out. We've got subscription deals going all the time. If you don't have one, you can still find one of these years ad-free on the app, as well as at the usual spots, Google, Spotify, Apple, everywhere else. And like Nick said, we'll have, this will be, uh, we'll be on a more regular schedule now. I know we promised yep. that a couple of times and not to yeah, work, but now, it, now it's for real. So you can believe us this time. So, um, all right. So for Colton and Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.